0: Hey everyone, this podcast is going to be about expandable broadheads and our experiences with them. Over the last couple years, you've probably heard us talk a lot about fixed blade broadheads and heavier arrow setups, but we wanted to talk about some of the failures that we had with mechanical broadheads that kind of led us down this path of going back to fixed blade broadheads with heavy arrow setups. Aaron Gregg and I recorded this down in Texas with our buddy Troy Fowler who is also known as the Ranch Fairy and we actually have a video version of this as well that will be coming out on our YouTube channel. You'll hear us talk a lot about different broadheads and in the video version you'll be able to watch those examples happen because we have a lot of footage backing up these stories. And you know we're not trying to hate on any specific product but we just had bad experiences with mechanical broadheads. And we just want to share those experiences with you guys and maybe help somebody out. If you're already shooting mechanical broadheads and you're having great success with them and you don't want to change, we're not saying that you're a bad bow hunter because of that. Don't want anybody to think that we're trying to bash anyone by talking about these mechanical broadhead failures that we've had. If you love what you're shooting, by all means do that and have fun out there. That's the most important thing. Again, we're just trying to help people out if they feel like they're having some problems. So speaking of bow hunting, at THP, we all shoot bear archery and be keeping an eye out on Bear's line of bows. We've got something pretty exciting in the works with them. We'll be excited to announce that officially really soon, but if you guys have any interest in getting a bear bow of your own, you can save 10% off of all Bear's equipment with the code THP10. We all really love our bows. We all shoot something different and that's what's kind of cool about Bear. They've got a bunch of different options. So. Go over to beararchery.com and save yourself a little bit of money if you're looking for a new bow this off season. All right, guys, let's talk mechanical broadheads. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Zach. <laughs> hey, Troy. How's it going?
1: Welcome to Texas. <laughs> yeah,
0: thanks. My first time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. Come down to the pig slaying.
0: I'm excited about it. We got a little tour on the uh, buggy there a bit ago. Yep. What do you call that, the scooter, the mule? I call or it the
1: scooter. It's not very manly, but we call it the scooter anyway. Uh, it's fine. Yeah,
0: I like it. And yeah. you have to cruise around, see a little bit of the vegetation types, get a little lesson on where the turkeys like to be. And, and
1: despite me telling you we didn't have a lot of deer, we had like nine deer right by. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. of course. Yeah. There they go, the whole herd. That's all it. of them. <laughs> 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 we the whole ranch. <laughs>
0: we saw, yeah, deer and cows, and that was it. But yeah. still, cool.
1: Well, yeah, Greg knows. Greg can shoot. So, we did whack a good one last night. Yes, we did. We're
2: already, big on, Hank. The already
0: big on the board. Big Hank,
1: 190 pounder, so we started off right. Is that. I don't think
2: we've ever killed one that big down here. No. Is 190 pounds big?
1: So that's a kind of a regional question. Here it is. Yeah. there's We don't have the food, but like in West Texas and stuff, where they have milo and corn and all that, those pigs get enormous. It's nothing to kill 250 pounders just because they have food. It's like where y'all hunt. There's a lot of agriculture, mm-hmm. and you d- it corresponds to what the deer look like.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Our deer down here I call Jimmy Buffett deer. If we kill a deer that weighs 125 pounds, <laughs> it's quite a deer. Jimmy <laughs> <Buffett> <laughs> but deer. there's just not a lot of food, and it's hot all the time, and they're just adapted. Right? Yeah. And they're closer so to the equator. Yeah. We're closer <laughs> to the equator. That is true. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we were
0: joking last night. I said, this is such a stupid joke, but I was like, Whoa. at some point somebody needs to just be standing, looking glass into the south when everybody's standing around, and just be like, Troy, how much further south do we have to go to see the equator? (laughs) Quite a distance.
1: (laughs) There's a big ocean in the way. Yes, there is.
2: So so we going to talk some expandables. Yeah.
1: We are. We're
2: We're here at the ranch, guys. And one of the topics that Zinger brought up that he wanted to discuss on the way down here was expandable broadheads. Because we've touched on all sorts of things, broadheads, down here in the past. And we've talked about expandables and some of our experiences with them, but we've never really drilled into the details of it. So this first conversation, I think that's where we ought to discuss is basically just share our different experiences, yours with hogs and then ours with deer, you know, in various situations and what we've had over the years, because we've all hunted with expandables for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and we've harvested a lot of deer with them. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously if you guys have been following us, a lot of us are shooting cut on contacts now and that's for, uh, multiple reasons, but we'll get, I would say there's been evolutions in it too. Like that's,
0: that's kind of the interesting part. And like, um, yeah, just throughout life different, you know, I mean, obviously we've all been bow hunting for a long time, so we've changed up our setups quite a bit over the years. So, yeah. Yeah. Why don't I guess should we just talk about like everybody's individual like experience and kind of throughout the stages of bow hunting and when they used expandables? I feel yeah, like that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll jump
1: in. So, yeah. the first thing I ever shot with an expandable broadhead was a black wildebeest in Namibia.
2: Oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yep, I've never shot them before, and the guide said you got to shoot these things, and I told him that looks kind of weird. And I've heard about these things. Now remember, I'm fifty three, so you know this is when the Expandable raw heads really started coming on,
3: which would have been mid nineteen nineties.
1: Right late, there late nineteen nineties, like early two so thousands. Pe- people started chunting yeah. in Africa with them. Yep.
2: I remember getting NAP Spitfires in a box from the archery shop, and it was like you know I don't even know if they were NAPs at the time, but they were Spitfires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like wow, this is totally different, you know.
1: But I, t- I had I had fixed blades. I was shooting like I was shooting the Stinger, I think, and I said if 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 I wound it, you're buying it. It just looks like it's, and I had no history with it. I was just like, man, it's moving around and stuff. And I shot it right across the top of the heart. It was like a commercial. Uh-huh. It hit the wildebeest bloodshot three feet out of it and it went 40 yards and went down. I was like, holy smokes, that thing is magic. Yeah, And I bought a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I killed some deer with them and I shot um, a bunch of pigs with them. And it was, they were inconsistent for me. It was either a a hero deal or it was zero deal. We had a couple of spots back in the back where you shot your pig last night. One of my friends shot one, and there was blood knee-high where the pig had spun. It was unbelievable. But then we'd have two. It was just like when people would say, pigs are tough. That was my explanation. Yeah. And I was like, huh. Okay, I didn't know any better. This is way back. This is before I started channel. I was just like everybody else. I'm shooting fast, what everybody else told me, going along with the with the, with the deal, and and they just were super inconsistent for me. And we're gonna to touch on this a little bit. and You said this earlier. If you're super disciplined with your shot angles and you totally understand what they can do, you're gonna be fine. And, Most of the di- time. and by
0: disciplined, you mean like broadside only. Slightly like good, quartering away. Oh yeah, yeah, slightly or slightly quartering like away. Like for the stuff good y'all angles, do, good one of the first distance. things,
1: I've said this on a lot of the talks we've had, when I started watching you guys and got to know you guys, I keep seeing y'all don't have a choice. You either pass or you shoot what you get. Like last night I kept telling you, just let, he's, go, I keep telling you guys, if they get on the bait, you're going to get the angle. Just, just be patient and yeah, let them do their but thing. But that's a baited situation. Yeah. Y'all got, y'all are hunting wherever, you're on some ridge, got the bedding area, there's your deer hunt. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there he went. He walked by. Yeah. And if you're super disciplined and you pass, I've always said this said this a hundred times on my on my videos, if you're willing to pass shots for the choice you've made broadhead wise, I I applaud those people. But you have to be realistic. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people that get to hunt ten times. Yeah. And I'm talking ten mornings or evenings, not ten oh, days. Yeah. You yeah. all get down a lot. Mm-hmm. But the average person's got kids and a job and all that stuff. They only get to on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. When the deer comes, they're probably going to shoot. And we're just trying to talk about.
2: And, and to be honest, that it's easy to say, you know, you need to have discipline. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, of course oh, yeah. it is. It, it takes years and years and years yeah. of experience in order to well, get that, I feel like. Because you could say that. You know, I could say that all I wanted when I was younger, like, oh I'm only gonna take a broadside shot and then a deer would come in and I would go completely ham. <laughs> yes. And something would happen and like five minutes later I'd be like, What just went on? Yeah, right. And like I would come back to Earth. Yeah. It's like right. an out of body experience right. almost. Right. And it's something that you just can't prepare for until you've been in that situation so many times a- over a.m. and over and over again. When
0: you're when you're only hunting ten times a year, I mean you're talking a lot of years to get to that point where you've got the, the you're comfortable enough I guess to have that discipline yeah. I think and for mo- for most people I mean every, every individual is going to be different but
1: well you I also mean, look at the bell curve of anything so you look at the bell curve of humans and we have NBA and NFL players far out on the one edge of the bell curve that would also be the elite bro- bow shooters and people who have a lot of discipline and skill under pressure yeah and then the bell curve works backwards and yeah. the most of humanity is in this 85 percent. And if you tip over the top, and people that just don't handle the stress, um, apparently in manhood we're all supposed to be able to deal with it, but I'm <laughs> a little more realistic. That, the person that can, that doesn't shoot well under pressure can handle corporate situations or car wrecks, or they'll drag your body out of a fire, and they're, they're fine. Mm-hmm. But with a bow and arrow, something triggers, right? Yeah. Like, I can't scuba dive it does not make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> like I get underwater and I know I'm good. I'm a respiratory therapist. I understand. And I'm literally underwater going, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is
1: not right. I've got a friend who's like diving in the rigs and swimming upside down and grabbing crabs and he's super comfortable. But I know that scuba diving is not my deal. Yeah. Yeah. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And sure. I can force myself to do it. but It's not very natural. Yeah. So if you look at basic humanity and that bell curve, we're trying to Take aero systems that will help the average person, mm. which is most of us, get it done.
2: Yeah, and you're looking at – well, and we'll get to this more in detail as we go through this conversation. But at, you're looking at such small details as, they, as you're getting ready to take your shot. So a broadside shot behind the shoulder, for the most part, through the center of the rib cage. These things we haven't had – a tremendous amount of failures with on deer yep, yep. occasionally it's happened mm-hmm. but where we're running into issues is just the very slight differences yep. in body position on the animals I mean even a, even just a slightly quartering away or slightly quartering two shot that's happening in the moment like two or three seconds drawback have to decide yeah. okay is he broadside or is he just slightly quartering two or is he just slightly quartering away you have to decide and you have to shoot and that's where we've noticed issues with those. Mm-hmm. I think and that's what I mean. Greg's got all these different examples laying out here of some of those. What, Greg? Why don't you talk about like your your experience with the mechanicals
0: then, and then we'll go to Aaron.
3: Yeah, I started out bow hunting in the mid '90s, and I started shooting wasp and thunderhead fixed mm-hmm. blade broadheads, three blade uh, with replaceable blades. Yep. And that worked well for several years, and then um, the speed craze and the me- mechanical broadheads got more and more popular. So people were chasing speed, lighter setups, and uh, you know, trying to get better aero, aero flight you know, started going to mechanical broadheads mm-hmm. like this. Rocket was uh, one of the first, I believe, back in the mid-'90s, so you know, I kind of got into the, the whole marketing craze yeah, and the these- speed craze and, and started experimenting with these different uh, expandable broadheads. Mm -hmm. And then from early 2000s until now, I've kind of been going back and forth between, you know, shooting expandables and and shooting fixed blade. But I'd say for most of the time, it was, um, you know, shooting expandable broadheads. And I would say my, I still had a high recovery rate on all the deer that I shot because I, you know, I, limited myself to close range shots that I know that I could make quartering way broadside or ever so slightly Greg's one to. of the
0: rare disciplined yep. people. I mean, truly you he are, calm. he you, was
1: real calm. Last you're night. One, you are I've
0: one walked. of the people that I've few people I've ever hunted with that has as good a discipline. I mean, there's very few people I know that, are as disciplined as you are. I think yeah. you are a rare case, truly. Well, just <laughs> look
2: at the reactions post-shot. Greg <laughs> yeah. is, Greg is, uh, is like, <laughs> you know, he's excited. He's got controlled excitement. I got one, man. <laughs> he's like, got one. And then look man. at <laughs> our <Yeah>. reactions. <laughs> Where we're Listen, just, like,
1: literally about to pass out. He was giggling and grinning like a jackass eating a prickly pear last night. <laughs> yeah. So, y'all Probably. can't get it, but I can. Because yeah. I'm a good videographer. <laughs> he did get We had fun hit the record. We, did, yeah. Yeah. we did, yeah. But,
3: I mean, I think part of that is personality, temperament. Part of it is, you know, I, I took bow hunting very seriously, went through bow hunter education. The group of guys that I hunted with in, growing up in Blair uh, were very um, – ethics was a big part of that mm-hmm. – um, and our responsibility as as bow hunters to make quick humane kills. That was ingrained in me. That was important. So that's uh, you know that's why it, you know, part of the reason I you know, feel like I have discipline to wait for the shot that I know that I can make. Good influence. But Helps, yeah. as I started shooting the expandable broadheads and started filming my hunts, you know I noticed that uh, it wasn't completely passing through deer like i had been with the fixed blade broadheads mm-hmm. now i will say starting out with these a the smaller like the steelhead and the wolverine the, the rocket broadheads these really small like inch and an eighth expandables i was still passing through most of the deer that i shot but then we started stepping up to these monstrosities that you know they <laughs> <laughs> they, they uh, you know talk about the uh, you know the blood trail you get and the, the huge entrance holes and exit wounds and there. stuff like that so you know it kind of got you know, roped into that thinking, you know, that that's going to make me a a more effective bow hunter, kill the animal more quickly, get more blood on the ground. And, and, uh, so then, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll show video over the top of this and you can see a lot of these deer that I'm shooting, even though they're close range, broadside arrows, aren't passing through and they're not hitting hard bone ribs, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, that, that, was my experience over time still getting the deer still recovering the deer but it it just kind of seemed problematic that you're not passing through a deer
1: yeah they're not that, they're not a very durable target yeah they're not and then
3: of course you can speak to the experience with shooting hogs with something like that
1: yeah well we got the problem the ribs are three times as thick they're much shorter they're much blunter they're much closer together so they just eat broadheads and you're gonna hit like I tested this last night but the next time you're eating ribs look at the meat piece that's the spacing you have to shove a broadhead through. Yeah. So if you're even a stinger shove that wide, you know, even a wide. stinger is going to hit the hit ribs every mm-hmm. oh, time. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, a, look at
3: that. That's a that's a four blade two, I believe, two inch, inch and three quarter or two inch cutting diameter.
1: Right. So you're going to hit two or three. All right. Well, I can't hit three, but you'll probably you're going to hit two ribs every time. If you dead center rib, then you could hit a dead center a rib and hit two ribs on the outside because they're. <laughs> It's that wide between two of them. I mean, right. it's, there's three ribs. Is that wide? There's one in the middle. Yeah, it's just a mess. And then it, it it terrifies me that people get used to shooting a bunch of deer, and they get used to. And you hear, you'll see this on the message boards. I'm go, I'm okay with it. Only popping out the backside got my deer. I'm going elk hunting next year. They're big. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or what happens often is you you shoot a bunch of deer. You shoot a bunch of two-year-old bucks, does, occasionally a three-year-old buck or something. And then all of a sudden, you have a six-year-old buck that weighs 70 pounds more than those other deer. Yeah. And that is just, you know, structurally built yep. stouter. Yep, yep, And then you have that thing come in, and he eats your arrow. And it's like, what the heck just happened? This worked on all these other deer. But then Big Hank came in there, and something else happened.
1: Right, Right. When you
2: look at the difference, I mean, you can take a doe, you know, a year and a half, two and a half year old doe or whatever, and you can look at the difference between her and a really big muscular body, structure stout, bone structure all that buck, stuff. there's right. a huge difference in right. the bone structure right. in the two of them.
1: And so they just start sucking up energy, and yeah. y- y'all can look this up, but there are published on websites for the mechanical broadheads, kinetic energy, rec- you know, rec- recommendations let's call it whatever Mm -hmm. published at 50 foot pounds okay i have done studies on my channel showing that your bow shoots 70 75 foot pounds kinetic energy with a 388 grain arrow okay my bow 65 pounds 28 on average joe right it launches at 75 and at 60 yards it hits at 53 now deer hunters are going to say, well, Fowler, I don't shoot 60 yards. Okay, half that. It hits at 64. 50 of it is being sucked up by that.
2: To open it. I don't saying. even know what that means. Okay. You don't even know what they're. It doesn't the clearly state, we you will get
1: a pass through if you get 50 pounds of kinetic energy. It just says, we recommend 50 pounds of kinetic mm-hmm. energy. Just go look it up. It's there. Right. So the mathematical equation gets kind of crazy when you only have 14 left to help you get going, to keep mm-hmm. going. It just, the math is like doesn't make any sense, and that's why you see some of the stuff you see.
2: Yeah. Is yeah. it
1: a fair trade-off to try to get a big hole?
2: Yeah. Uh, that's that's
1: the depends. ultimate trade. That's what I get the mm-hmm. most, you know. Yep.
2: Talk about your experience with them. I'd say mine's pretty similar to Greg's. Um, I started off with fixed heads, killed several deer with them when I was young, and then got into mechanicals, and I shot Rage 2 blades a lot, um, and eventually I – I quit. I went away from those because I was having rubber band issues with them in flight at the mm. time. Now, they fixed some of that, yeah, I right. believe, with some yep, of their yep, newer models. models. But yep, at yep, the time, yep. I was having broadheads open in flight and cause inconsistent arrow flight. And uh, it never happened to me on a deer, but it happened to me occasionally while I was practicing. So I went away from those and I started shooting those three blade, 125 grain, I believe they're Spitfires. Yep. And I shot those and killed a bunch of. Yeah. Of deer with those, I, and I had really good luck with those. Um, I had, I did not have as many penetration issues with them, like with not getting pass throughs. You never I, shot a, I saw, I shot a lot of deer with an eighty pound bow, right, and and a thirty one inch drawing, right, super long <laughs> drawing, and like even with a hundred twenty five grain mechanical head, I was still shooting high four hundreds grain arrow right by the time it was all set no, i had no idea about any of this stuff i had never weighed an arrow i didn't even no think right. about it i just screwed it on there and went hunt. you got that bow from bill and you yeah. said i'm gonna start I got it from <laughs> wiki's old alphamax yeah that's exactly it uh-huh. because i was in his office and i had the same draw length right. as him if you've if anybody's seen bill like he's wingspan and for some, some reason you. i got long arms too so his bows fit me and i started shooting that bow and it was 80 pounds and I didn't have any trouble getting pass-throughs, and I killed a bunch of deer with it, um, all on broadside shots. Yep, they were all the same. And honestly, and pretty much everyone I remember. Sorry for cutting you off.
0: You always had a pass through, at least in the Midwest whitetail film oh, yeah. stuff, right? Always. Yep. I don't ever remember one not, not bouncing back out. Which there which was there
2: was one that me and Kootman killed in 2011, a mature buck in yeah. Southeast Iowa, that I hit right forward, in the base right. of the leg yep. forward, um, and it only went into the chest cavity and popped out. It cut off the top of his heart and he was dead mm-hmm. you know within 50 yards sure didn't get a tremendous amount of penetration um but i switched because i went elk hunting like what you were just talking about yep. i drew an elk tag and i was not confident in those broadheads in my setup so i switched to three blade exodus heads um mm-hmm. six 16. blades
0: 16 right 2016 yeah
2: And those started shooting, like, I was so accurate with them. Mm -hmm. And I killed that elk with them. I'm like, man, I'm just going to roll with this. And you got to pass through on the elk. Oh, yeah. Pass through on the elk, um, double lung shot, and killed him through the rib cage. And I kept shooting those for a little bit longer and had good luck with them. But then I didn't have any personal experiences that switched me. But a lot of the other guys in the office, and you guys got to understand, when we are working at the Midwest Whitetail office in those days – the pro staff that we had was huge. I mean, it's way over 100 guys, mm-hmm. and they're all over the country. And for the most part, they're shooting similar stuff. Right. Most 90% of it's mechanicals. Yep. And lighter arrows. Yeah, and that by sort of default,
3: thing. our sponsor was Rocket Broad. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Did they have a fixed they had one? Play? They did. They had one. And there yeah. was
2: there was a, l- a few guys shooting fixed. A lot of them shooting meat seekers. Yep. yep. Um, but there was a lot of mechanicals and we started getting all these videos rolling in over the years. I'm getting to the point. I know I'm rambling here. We started getting all these videos rolling in and then we would have a few experiences ourselves. I have some experiences. Yeah, that and I that's what talk I'm going to mention yeah. and let you talk about it because that's kind of a segue into that. We, we kept seeing those borderline shots, the ones that look broadside, close range, that might be just slightly quartering two or vice versa. Yep. And, or the deer moves at yep. the sound of the shot, and it's by the time the arrow hits, the deer has dropped and wheeled towards or away, and has changed the angle ever so slightly. I remember that one, I'll talk about one example here. I, I'm thinking of like 15 different ones. But remember Volink's buck from Wyoming? Yes. Yeah. That was a broadside shot, it appeared to be. And I don't even know if we could find this footage. I could message Jake Volink for it, but... It was a broadside shot, and I believe it was a two-blade expandable, like the meat seeker, meat seeker or something like that, mm-hmm. 15 yards through the back of the rib cage. And I, I could be wrong, but I think it passed all the way through. I believe so. Um, two days later, found the deer. Hmm. Back of the rib like in, And when you see this footage, it's like that's a double lung shot. Mm-hmm. Something happened in there, and I don't know what it was, but something hap- had to have happened inside of that animal that caused it not to die for two days. Mm-hmm. Now, freak accidents, weird things can happen with bow hunting. I get yeah, right. that. But when something, when things like that happened like over and over and over, <laughs> over again, over and over again. And then it happened to him on two different deer. Then I was like, uh, okay, up. I'm yeah, I'm getting very suspicious about this. So anyway, with that, I'll let you yeah, talk about your experiences. My Because experience, those were the ones that were like, oh, okay, yeah. hang on a minute. Maybe we need to rethink this.
0: And my, my experience was when I was younger, I'd been bow hunting for a really long time, tw- two, probably early 2000s is when I started shooting a compound bow, Let when I could legally pull back 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. And my dad was always like, we're not shooting... Expandables. Like, he was really against it. And his reasoning was he had seen this guy. They were hunting public land, and he had been seeing this buck and had bumped into these hunters. This buck went past him. He, I can't remember, he, like, maybe saw the deer or something. But he went and helped the guy track this deer that he had shot with a crossbow with a mechanical. And he shot it in the neck, and it didn't open. The mechanical never opened. Like he found the deer, but it, it just straight up didn't open. And he's like, those things, they, not, they don't open. Like, why are you going to shoot something that it, there's a chance that it doesn't open? Mm-hmm. So I just never shot him. We shot Thunderheads and Slick Tricks. Eventually started shooting Slick Tricks. And then when I went to Midwest Whitetail, because of the sponsor thing, I started shooting that Meat Seeker. And the first one that I shot with that was with you. And he was... What fifteen yards? Oh, he's close from
2: that. He was like right at the base of the tree. Ten yards and the and like you said, Troy, thick cover, and that's where mature bucks live yep. on pretty well everywhere, yep. you know. And you had one opening, if I remember right, yep. that we had rehearsed in the stand. Like if one comes up to this scrape, it was he's going to be in that opening. Well, it was it was perfect, but he was slightly quartering too yep. at the shot, mm-hmm. and he did just what he was taught to do at that moment. Stop him in the opening. Legs forward, put it right behind the shoulder, and he hit exactly where he was aiming, buried it to the fletching. Mm -hmm. And
0: we ended up, I mean, to make the long, a very long story short, we didn't find that buck until the next morning, like late morning. Yep. And when we got to it, the arrow was coming out back here where it should have come out further
2: forward. I don't know exactly where, but it's still- It was definitely a quartering two shot. Uh Uh-huh. um but the arrow came out in the back leg. Further back. And that's what happened. It was a single lung, liver, gut shot. And that particular situation played itself out, I would say, five, six times over the course of just a couple years. Where you had, you had a slightly quartering two angle, and you put it right behind the shoulder. And I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to over the years that have had the exact same thing happen. I shot the deer right behind the shoulder. The arrow went in far enough. It should be a double lung. It was not. It happened to Winky on G4 buck. It happened happened to you in the same
0: season. mm, When I filmed you shoot that buck real close, it's like it goes in good. And I remember from looking through the viewfinder of the camera, I'm like, oh, that deer smoked. And I remember you being like, ah, something looked weird, you know. And he ran off, and we watched him. And we had, I don't think we found that. No, we didn't find him till the next day. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like it's like Aaron was saying with the footage. I think that's the part that's different than you know, um, your the, average person. Yeah, experience. most people. We, we just were yep. able to sit there and watch time and time again. It's the same thing. It's like this loud pop. The arrow goes like that. It, and it's not passing through even the arrow even the shots where it's like bearing it's like why is that not going through like the one specifically that I think of is um the buck that you shot in 2017 it's like 10 yards perfectly broadside and the arrows just like is that
3: it? Mm. It, this is a this is a new one but this is what I was shooting yep. yeah 10 yards broadside I'm not a like probably two or three year old buck not yeah a huge big chested animal. Like <laughs> you yes. should be passing through. I mean it yeah. yeah.
0: And that one just buried. And it was it was just over and over again. And what what really was the weird part though is the deflection and the the popping back out where it's actually going
2: and like the loud pop You think and it's,
1: it's hitting the opposite chest wall and bouncing off? Yeah it's and sometimes hitting the, front. hitting the
2: back leg or sometimes
1: the front.
2: <laughs> whatever it's doing, it's not it's not passing all the way through and in all those situations we were dealing with very long tracks mm-hmm. and oh, all yeah. of them the yeah. the arrow was in the deer
1: yeah that doesn't help because they're scared scared yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: they i mean they were i they, just they watched were him. ordeals i mean even even those that slightly and two one in the timber nest that one was yeah i think that one yeah. was even more broadside um That's one. That's one. It was for sure more broadside. So this is about. And Jared at Midwest Whitetail told me I could use these videos. So thanks a lot, Jared. Yeah. Go check those guys out. Um, and these are all videos from years ago. You know, but Zener shot that bucket thirty yards. I don't even think. I think it was twenty five, and that was center of the rib cage, back of
0: the rib cage, and it went in and came out, or was just poking through the hide. There was just a spot where long track job. Oh, yeah, this thing's still alive hours later. One of these deals where when I remember when he got to where we were parked on the public, we showed him the footage. He's like, yep, no worries. Yep. And we just went right in there, and then the buck was still alive, like found him laying there alive. It, lit-
2: it literally hit a rib, and I don't even know how to show this. You can show it with your target in a minute. Mm-hmm. It hit a rib, and it goes back. Uh-huh. So if we made one that always went side.
1: forward, we'd be fine.
2: You'd be perfect. Yeah, if yeah. it hits the rib and goes forward, toast. <laughs> yeah. We
1: need a we needed somebody, a scientist, to make us one that goes forward every time. <laughs> <laughs> I think
3: another thing that was problematic with those broadheads, and I'm thinking about the Meat Seeker in particular, not to you know pick on anything, but we seem like there was troubles with that, and yeah. those broadheads were not very sharp. No, that's and that's, they were they were curved mm-hmm. blades, to where it would be difficult to sharpen them. You know, out once you bought them out of the package, and then. Give me a new. They they weren't. They were not scary sharp. You
0: shouldn't be able to grab every, every single one. You can grab. You can pull a mechanical out of the box. It doesn't matter if it's one of these, fancy shiny rages or it's one of these, you know, beat up. You can. You shouldn't be able to grab a broadhead and pinch. I mean, I'm pinching that thing, and it. I'm not afraid. And that's every last one of them. That's a problem that I have with the mechanicals. Well, the sharpness thing thing
1: is, is, is probably the most overlooked thing. The, the durability itself, and we talked about this last night, when I shot mechanicals, when I shot – I was Didn't trying to figure skin. out why pigs were tough. I mean, I, I kept burying in shafts. I mean, I got to the fletch or – it hits the ground a lot, right? Because yeah. they're short and you're elevated. So I would get – you know, I'd have this much arrow sticking out. And it's forward enough, or they're quartering away. And some of the tracks were 250 yards, and I think the broadheads were getting eaten alive on impact – and then when they hit the, hit the all of the lungs and everything, they can't really cut well.
2: Were you recovering the broadheads sometimes?
1: Some Oh, they would break off. I'd find them. Okay. Right.
2: And they that's were always what Greg's trash. got That's what Greg's got here on some broad, we've got some broadheads here on the table that have been shot into deer that we killed and we, we recovered the broadheads. And we have a couple up here that we've shot into deer that we did not recover.
1: But you got the arrow back.
2: We got the arrow on yeah. the broadhead back. I don't think this
1: is the
3: one. We'll pull out the one that I'm thinking of. We can tell a little bit of a story. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, just in general, most of the broadheads I've shot through deer or turkeys, you know, they're mangled. Blades are mangled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a kind of a one yeah. and done. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. They're just... Oh, and that's, but, I would never, that's yeah, you'd and you'd never be the, able to reuse them. That's, that's the biggest thing for me in my mind, mind is, is you you're shooting these thin blades, and if you're recovering those blades, even if you kill the deer... You're recovering that thing because that's what a lot of folks think. They're like, well, you know, they're cheap enough. I'll just buy another one. Mm -hmm. No big deal. I got Mm -hmm. the deer. Mm -hmm. Mission accomplished. Like, yes, that's true. But if you're shooting that thing and it's hitting a rib and deflecting and it's dulling these blades upon impact, you're you're not going to get sharp blades going through the middle of the chest cavity or whatever organs that you're cutting inside the deer. Because I always thought, absolutely. like, oh, that that arrow's in the deer, and it's sliding back and forth, and it's doing all this damage. Well, in hindsight, it wasn't doing much at all, especially if the blades were dulled upon impact. Because like you just said a minute ago, you're going to hit ribs. Front These rib. are wide Front enough. Side rib. You're right. going to encounter ribs. Hit a bone. If the blades yep. are not tough enough to withstand that, that rib and stay sharp right and stay sharp into the good stuff, then you're not going to be doing near the amount of damage you're not going to be doing two inches and of damage in so there. there's a you're not going to be there's cutting. been a
1: couple of people who have big audiences who say my goal is to anchor this thing on the other side and have it sl- stay in there, and when they're running, do this well, guess what if it backs up any you get
2: you're this. Do, you don't have anything sharp there they doing don't stay anything. open. It's just scaring the animal. It,
1: it really bothers me on the logic of that. And I don't know if, if people who say that have thought through that, but the way the thing works, the blades. <laughs>
0: have you even thought that through?
1: <laughs> no. you <never, laughs> right. So There's actually, another
3: T-shirt
0: for you. <laughs> have you thought that through? Have
1: you thought that through? But this would be better, if that is your scenario, yep. this would be a better broadhead to have in there because mm-hmm. it can't close, can't shut, can't start backing up. We've all recovered one that's closed. Some of that's just centrifugal force. So when it comes out, the the shaft's still in the deer and it yanks on it and it shuts the blade. So that's fair enough. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to knock on that. But if the philosophy is my goal is to leave the arrow in the deer, then you're better off with this if your idea is that you're going to get some extra cutting. Sure. It just, it's pretty practical. And the that- honest
0: question, honest question, is that ever true? Like to where, to where like it continues to to cut because like i guess i guess what especially with the mechanical it's like we've said okay so we're dolled up already we're, we're we're initially dull we're hitting ribs so they're getting mangled on the front side and then once it makes it to the other side a lot of times it's pulling back out so therefore it's shutting that blade correct i mean is it ever true that that thing's in there actually cutting so more? it would
1: no broad head except for a single bevel rotates Physi- physically because of impact. And that's only... If if a single bevel were to stop, it would not keep rotating. Okay? It's not a whole saw. I've thought about this a lot. It's got to still be in the same wound it made.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's go- not turning into a different area yeah, to right. cut new so,
1: perfect. tissue. It's going to hit... hits the other, Let's say it hits the offside humerus, which is... Donk. You're dead deer. Because it's on the humerus and it's forward enough, right? Yeah. It's going to stay in that wound... And maybe it'll cut up and down some, but lungs and stuff pretty mobile. Yeah. Yeah. They're much more mobile than you realize, and arteries are actually Mm semi-muscular. They're they're very much like a rubber band. So if it's moderately dull and in there shaking around, are you better off with it shaking around? Sure. I can't argue that.
0: Like if a deer's legs pumping and kicking that arrow. If it's really rotating, oh, yeah. Dynamic situation. You are talking
1: about one out of a hundred. Yeah. Your heart is... you're basing your whole philosophy on this strategy that one of them that's going to happen to.
0: How many times, too, that this is what I think of when I think of this this topic is how many times have you looked at the lungs and seen where it's like no, shredded? No. Never. Never one time. It's always just a stamp or the broadhead right. just sliced right through. So there's through. some
1: trouble with that. Um remember if this buried this far, okay? And let's say it's forward and where it's supposed to be, and the deer's dead with 75 yards. The hole in the shoulder is only so big. It hits the rib cage. It can't really do that much.
2: Right. It it's can't lever bound. much. Yeah, it can't that's true.
1: lever a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes you'll get this wild lever. Let me tell you what happens when that is. The barrel shaft's broken.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> if you see it doing pinwheels, it's broken. Yeah. They they snapped it off with their elbow mm. and you're seeing the back of the shaft.
2: Sure. Oh, yeah, that one we killed in the humerus a few years ago. Like, I had to pull hard to get the broadhead out of the humerus. On the, it other, wasn't on the other side, right, yeah, with the shaft literally. snapped off. Yeah, Yeah. it sure. was just stuck in there, yeah, literally right. stuck. Like you had to yank it out, but right. I want to stay on these real life examples. Yes, and because so I, I got. got to Greg's got a really good one to talk about here in a minute. <laughs> really um, bad one, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I, Greg, it's, it's a good good learning. It's a yeah, good learning couple. experience because a lot of people give us grief about talking about these subjects, and I get it. It's a it's a hard one to talk about because people want to die on this hill, or people want to die on this hill. That's correct. You right. know, oh, yeah. I I get it. There's. Folks that love what they shoot, and if you got a lot of confidence in it, just keep on going. Yeah, at, we're the, not at the end think, of the day, it's like by all means, shoot not, whatever you want. We're not trying to trash trying on to you or your choices yeah. or anything like that. We're just trying to tell you what our honest experiences have been, and yours is in a sense that one video that I was talking about earlier with that pig. I shot the same pig twice. You shot the same pig twice
1: at 17 yards. That
2: was when you like. That was when you threw up your hands and made the switch.
1: I was playing around with the heavy arrow stuff, and I didn't believe. It was so slow. Yeah. It was pathetic. I mean, looking at it in the air, I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. And I shot a 225-pound boar right back here. On the, I mean, there was no, no heavy bone impact right on the crease, on the button. And I was shooting, I think I was shooting a schwacker, and it stopped. Like, it just stopped. And he ran by the deer feeder, and the arrow just literally went doink. And the, the swagger was bent. Hear that was just man? And he was just, no. <laughs> no, it, was, it was a big, durable animal, okay? I was, yeah. So, and I was silently and by myself in the dark with no friends playing around with a big, heavy hammerhead. And I said, okay, I have nothing to lose now. Because that sucks. That was one of them that I hunt a lot. And I finally get it. Mm-hmm. It's like you hunting a big, I, I get excited about the big pigs. This is the deer that you've been hunting, yeah, yeah, and it goes bonk, and you just go, to your point, much bigger, yeah, much more muscular, squared up, right? I said, okay, fine. Pulled out the 670 grainer, and the same stupid pig, I mean, he just did the same thing, same trail, comes in two weeks later, and I buried it to the fletch, and I looked out the tent blind, and I saw dust, and I said, hmm. And I walked over there, and he was dead, and there, was, there wasn't even a mark on him. And I just said, wow, right? Now, having said that, that I went to 670 and all that, I did not realize at that time that the quality of that broadhead and the sharpness of that broadhead was probably as much to offer me, once again, talking Mm -hmm. about this passing through the chest wall and the mud and the hair and all the crap, as the mass and the flight. It's a system. It's an algorithm. Right. Multiple components. Right, I've started talking on my channel, on my videos. I just want you to take two steps. right? I would prefer you get a better system on the point that won't break. That's a great step. So that's a, a segue yep. into kind of your yep. experience here.
3: Yeah, it was actually interesting the way that played out because that was the year everybody was switching over to heavier arrows and cut on contact broadheads. I had a busy summer. I was going to do the same thing. I remember them on the phone with you. You're helping get us geared up and mm-hmm. I had a busy summer and didn't get around to doing that. I was like, "All right, I'm not going to try to switch right before the season, and this will make a you know an interesting test to compare and contrast our experiences." Yeah, sure. Because I was going to shoot this broadhead, and uh, I've killed plenty of deer with that broadhead in the past, and uh, got an opportunity on uh, November 13th, something like that, and uh, that it'll go down as probably my worst day of bow hunting ever. And what happened is that uh, Dylan and I were, were hunting, had a big buck come in following a doe, got a perfect broadside shot at about 20 yards, something like that. And kind of the uh, ideal stopped. situation. It was, right? I, yeah, it was ideal situation. Stopped him at 20 yards and you know, put my pin you know, right where I wanted to hit. Shot looked good, except for the arrow did not. It basically bonked, like it just didn't penetrate very far. It was behind the shoulder, it was maybe right up against the edge of the scapula.
2: But so the it, placement is I not remember. bad. If you and I remember, it,
3: is, yeah, I remember if watching if it
0: being if if like, dude, that looked like I mean, as far as like a 10 ring goes, not It was a little it was a little bit high eight. for
3: it was a little bit high for a 10 ring, you know, for for a perfect.
2: But you were also in a tree. Yeah. So yeah he shooting. he was
3: fairly level. He was almost eye level. Yeah, I wasn't very high and he was up the hill a little way, so it was a fairly level shot. It looked good, maybe just a touch high if anything, but still should be a killing shot. I mean, that was, that was my reaction as he oh, went that's away, what ran everybody's away reaction other, than, other than there was a lot of arrows sticking out. But, uh, you know, we've you've seen that before on those kinds of hits. Um, I've had it happen. You, you watch any amount of, you know, hunting shows that are shooting these types of broadheads, and a lot of times they're hitting them in a in really good spot, and there's still half the arrow sticking mm-hmm. out. So uh, deer runs off. Did that, sorry to interrupt, nope, did go. that
0: fall out? Did the arrow did. Yeah, Aral, fall right out? Arrow came I out remember, after about 20 yards. Yeah, and yep, I remember there being footage of him with a gash in him right there, right? Yep, yep. Where you can straight up see blood coming out of him or at least blood in that hole. Yep. And it is a big cutting di- diameter. It's a big slice in that deer. Yeah, or yep. a
1: deployment failure or anything like that, right? Yeah, yeah it
3: wasn't that. But well, I guess I'll, I'll finish the story. and then. Uh, so we, we all went back in later that evening, uh, started out. Decent blood, like you feel like you should get them, and then it then it petered out real quick. I, like, I remember there oh being boy. good blood too. I and remember the, that. Yep. And then all of a sudden there was an empty bed with a little mm. bit of a blood in it, and there was a series of empty beds, and you know we backed out and went Continued back in, Looking. Went back in the next day, and there was virtually no blood to go on. The other, it, there was snow on the ground, so we had tracks to work with as well. So we were able to kind of keep down his trail, a little speck of blood here and there, and then uh, Mindy happened to find a speck of blood about eight hundred yards. Down the trail from where I'd shot him, that gave us an I, you know, an indication of where he was going. Yep. Spent the next three days with a group of guys. Yep. and Mindy. Me and
0: Grant, Mindy. Grid, grid
3: searching. I got permission on all the pri- adjacent private lands to go on there. I mean, left no stone unturned. You know, and could not find the deer. And after three days, I just had to call it like that. You know, yeah. that was it. At that point, my mom was sick in the hospital. You know, I just didn't have any more time to commit to it, and. That was that, and uh, you know that. Uh, and honestly, looking, honestly, that deer probably didn't die.
1: Uh, he's got a good chance to survive. Yeah, uh, yeah.
3: But you look at what happened, and again, like the shot placement does not look that bad. But the broadhead itself is just completely tore up. The tip is bent over, and the blades. I mean, you shouldn't. Can you see you, the tip, you, Ted? We can on get close-ups head. of this later too. But you shouldn't be able to to do that. They're
1: pretty chewed up.
3: Oh yeah, the blades—the blades are mangled all the way down. Now again, I—I I don't know if it just barely caught the back edge of the scapula.
2: Then, but you then can't. Again, you can't. you're at the high, You're shooting high, and like the scapula, the I guess is there is the ridge on the back side? because. The scapula is thinner at the top than it is at the bottom where Correct. it connects to the human. I mean, it wasn't like a whack, like
3: it contacted no. nothing but bone. It was maybe on the back edge. And I will say, in the, in the past couple years, I've shot deer almost identical shots, one that I decoyed in, and then a doe that I hit almost in identical spots as I hit that buck. And they were pass-throughs. Deer went 30 yards and tipped <laughs> over in Dude, seconds. These
0: things are like it hit a rock.
3: Yeah. It's like a it, rock. that just went like that with yeah, a rock. Chiseled oh, out. Trash that broadhead. Yeah.
1: Well, I was, I was talking to Aaron about this earlier. The when I first met you guys and I started watching all of your stuff, especially the old stuff. Y'all would classically shoot a deer, and then go get everybody. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be a while. Like we got to get the get the batteries charged up, boys.
2: Yeah. Make sure you plug your
1: headlamps in because we're going deer hunting because we're going to be out some there bad yeah, for five hours looking for a deer. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, what is that? right <laughs> especially and everybody
2: and all the critics would say it's shot placement shot placement shot placement but that's why that's why i think your example is so important greg because this is this is dang near perfect shot placement i mean it is not far off when you watch that footage the buck is broadside it is barely high of center
0: that timber nest deer is another should, example yes, of being pretty close. It's probably close. not even as good these are as not, that. But these still. are not
2: like terrible shots that are getting no. made. Yeah, no. right. that, that should have been these a lethal are, hit. These are spots where we are, we're either consciously shooting deer and expecting a different result and hitting the spot we're mm-hmm. aiming at, or we're hitting them very close to the spot we should be and we're not getting them. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. That's a major issue. Like, I get the whole, uh, people will talk about the blood trail thing and all of that. We've but all done when, that. But when it comes down to it and you're shooting a deer and you're making the shot that you intended to, to and mm-hmm. you're not getting them, yep. that's when I have a problem with it.
1: Aaron Snyder yes. had a good example when I was on the podcast with him. He said, it's like uh, grade school math for arrows. And if you start with an A-plus system, it might erode to B-minus. Mm-hmm. But if you start with a B B B B-plus system – it might erode to a D yeah, sure. after it's done its job. And I was thought that was a really practical idea. Yeah. Of, we were specifically talking about broadheads and yeah. sharpness and edge durability and the ability of the steel to handle impact. But that, I thought that was a great example for people to put in their heads that, you know, there's this, if, if it's the same variable, you go A to B minus. If you start at B minus, you're going to D. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: to talk or to about F. f- <laughs> or, to, I mean, or to F, total failure. <laughs> I mean, that, that's and that's the thing is that and that was the next thing I was going to bring up, Greg. It's like that right there is what we should talk about next is the specifics of that failure. Mm-hmm. That tip, we had talked about that the tips while ago on those three mm-hmm. blades that you yep. designed. Right. That tip right there hit something and redirected Absolutely. Because you can see that it's bent. No, Warb, that didn't redirect. That, I mean, that look at that. It. <laughs> that twisted up. That is curved. Kidding. That's, and like <laughs> Ashby even says, it's better to just break the thing. Correct. Yeah. At that point yeah. than to bend it because bend means turn. Yeah. Well,
1: the angle, whatever angle is on this tip, you, you must assume that your knock is in that angle. Yeah. And it's going to get on the same plane. Mm-hmm because it has a ton of leverage. It's got all this velocity and all this en- energy that it, when it hits, and the shaft is still out here, and it just hit impact side. If it rolls, whatever angle this is, the knock is gonna be following.
2: You've just lost all
1: your, knock is all there, your energy
2: right? that's going into so the that. the broadhead
1: went, it hit, and went to here. The back of the arrow went there. Show them, the target.
2: Show them your, your deflection all right stuff so, here i think this would be a good that's time that's something for that. though that's so consistent this is exactly
0: with what's happened with those is the kickback it's yeah. that like to me that was the part of the video stuff that we were watching over and over again it's just that deflection deflection like the other one that you shot the one that we talked about in 2017 that i filmed mm-hmm. you shoot like that was one of those ones where it's like it's right there but when you watch in frame by frame watch that arrow come out of the deer you remember when we got back to the office and we're like dude what is Way that behind. it's yeah. like what it comes out at a completely different angle than it goes in. And it's yep. broadside at least mm-hmm. enough to where, like, you wouldn't expect that. Think right, that's and you're not. Part.
1: It's funny that none have gone forward. Yeah. You, y'all haven't said, well, we had one go right, I mean, just haul, right? It is weird that they're all going back.
2: Occasionally, <laughs> you, occasionally we have seen videos, and I don't even remember whose hunts they were, where it was a quartering away shot, one that you would want. And it hits the rib, and it goes forward, and it actually, instead of going into the rib cage, goes it down slides it. down the rib cage yeah. and into the shoulder. Yep. Huge
1: wound that long, and sometimes you get away with Huge
2: it. Huge hole. Maybe maybe you get away with it if the broadhead happens to get into the cavity, but maybe you don't. And that's... That's the biggest issue in is
1: the that one d- time. You remember the that deflection. the first pig y'all that ever it's Jake shot the first pig you ever y'all ever killed out here yeah. over there and remember that two blade went in perfectly horizontal and it made a wound like that. it was yeah. beautiful I've never <laughs> seen that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Jake you're awesome Yeah cuz <laughs> it's at an angle and it's
2: cutting right. more it tissue was amazing just going in
1: So this is the I think I'm going to walk around y'all ah. So this is the angle thing and that you have to consider, am I going to pull something off Near there? Yeah, you didn't there? When you, so when a mechanical broadhead goes straight in and you get a perfectly broadside shot, you get consistent, even deployment. And that is ideal. Unless the, so then we have to deal with reality. Very few animals are standing still at impact. So you're going to get angle, Okay. They're going to roll, they're going to duck and roll and start doing this. And then when the angle, so if it's either quartering away or the animal rolls, you're going to get that. This blade is not deployed. Yeah. This blade is deployed. Where do you think the energy is going to go? It's going to go. And when this starts opening up, Gonna go like that, and the shaft's gonna allow this blade to open. Especially if there and there's ribs there, they're this way. So that's the biggest challenge with a quartering away shot with a mechanical broadhead is this inconsistent deployment. It's just you can do this at your own house. Okay, look at that.
2: Yeah, and that's not near I'm as not hard as a it, bone,
1: right? Perfectly broadside, they're even. Yeah, that's ideal. Perfectly would be vertical if you could make it happen and between the ribs i'm not even being a smart ass here that would be ideal
2: yeah and, you, and your blades would get into the middle of the chest and it would cut a huge hole through right. there and that okay. would be perfect and, pe-
0: and so, perfectly broadside too on a flat surface there ain't a no flat surface Th- this is not isn't minecraft a, buddy yeah not. <laughs> not <on> a- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in minecraft <laughs> everything's square yeah. deer are not they're rounded <laughs> all the bones are rounded They're all designed for impact and very, very square things tend to not be as stable. So when we have our broadhead go in, deer rolls, you've now turned it into essentially a quartering away shot. Stay with me here. It's the same angle as this, but the the deer rolls and you still get one blade opening up different than the other. The angles are just different. And then it keeps going. And then they see that one just opened up again? You've got the shaft doing this the whole time mm-hmm. and trying to push.
2: And that's why sometimes when you if you hit heavy bone upon impact and those things only go in two inches, you see the arrow doing that circle, that's bad bad. Right. Mistake. And if you
1: could really slow it down, you'd see flex. You'd see the shaft just doing that. I mean yeah. it would be Do you it think? would be awesome. You know, I've done some studies with the Rocket Man and we've slowed down the cameras and at impact. Even the bolts from the arrow gun, which are they're bolts. They're short, super short. We got, I call it impact paradox, but yeah, they were shaking they were like flexing. crazy, and they're super stiff. Yeah, yeah. and they're tiny, and they right. were just going wow like that is amazing. But do you in- think that's why they get that
0: ripple? Fat or like the ripple on the on the broadhead too is because of how they open up, funky as they're going through there. I think so.
1: And then you'll also see some of the blades will actually be either S-shaped. Yeah, right, that's what I mean. Or it's completely like
0: it's- bent. That they almost all have that like yep. really defined like wave to
2: them. It's just like this, like the worm. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of the criticism will be, well, don't shoot them where the heavy bones are. Shoot them when they're broadside. But that's my thing is that there's like in kind of going back to what you said earlier. You're going to hit a bone. If you're Rips shooting them in right. the right spot, you're mm-hmm. going to encounter bones and these deflections that we're talking about, many of them are deflecting off of ribs, yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. So the shot oh, placement yeah, yeah. right. they're, they're 100%, the 100% percent 100
0: bouncing off ribs. Right. None of these examples we've used, not a single one are bouncing off a shoulder. Not yeah. a single
2: one of them. And the, and all the thing is 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 um when we switch to these in the heavy the heavier stuff and we've seen how it performs on bones. Now we're not necessarily aiming right behind the shoulder on a slightly quartering two shot. Right, yeah. We're bringing it forward into the vital V yeah. and aiming right up against those bones because we're not concerned with it at certain distances. Mm-hmm. You know. Now you have to have you have to really beef your setup up to be able to achieve those shots. But we have several of examples of those working, and we've showed those in the past. Um, and that's where. I think that's where I've seen the biggest difference personally, is I have the confidence now at 10, 12 yards to go straight up the leg. Yeah. Instead of worrying about all that heavy bone, I put the the arrow where it needs, needs to, to be to where
0: and to where you have to where a little you're bit going
2: f- to have the correct exit.
0: Yeah, and you yeah. have more flexibility right and left versus it's like if you're aiming too far back, well then you're eliminating some of your Vitals. You're not aim- you're, you're not, eliminating not aiming the
2: good
1: stuff. Yeah, you're really. not
0: aiming at the center of the of the of the ball anymore. You're aiming off to a side of the ball, Correct. right? If if you're imagining the kill zone as just a circle, you're yeah. now not aiming at the center of that circle if you're not aiming. Oh, you're in you're the vital
2: decreasing v. your margin of error. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's or you're increasing
2: your margin of error. What how do I need what, to say you're
1: that? You're increasing your margin of error. Yes. Yeah. Because but you're going If you look at back. it as a, so remember also lungs are bl- multiple lobes. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So, if you shoot the back lobe and clip the other lung a little bit, yeah, it's you've really not helped your, you've really, the, the, listen, the vital organs don't move around. <laughs> They're where they are. Once again, this is back to discipline. If you don't have the right setup and you know, you did it on an elk. I've seen a video, you and I talked about, where you had an elk step on you and you went, mm-hmm. I can't do that. He yeah. was scoring to two pretty good. Oh, yeah. And he was tight. And you remember, you said, I literally remember all the footage, and I went, this is probably not going to work. And yeah. you let down and let him go. I did. That was discipline, right? That's okay. But the, the, the physiology doesn't change. The location of the vital organs does not change. The animal just changes its position. And once again, this is back to the 10-day guy. This is back to the 90% of the people we're trying to help. And y'all do, y'all work a lot harder than us Texas people at this. I mean, we hunt baited sets. We have deer stands set up. And first time you came out here, you're like, hey, Scooter takes me out. The blind's already set. This is really great. Don't have to guess. There's the corn. Even I can do this. <laughs> but that being said, it's the angles that y'all are forced to take or pass. Hunt yeah. in public, swinging out of a tree. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to help all those people. Yeah. The the 10% of the people who want to send hate mail or whatever, they can do it. But I know we're all helping yeah. thousands of people be more lethal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more ethical, more lethal. I mean, it's just – it's one of those things. And more confident in your shooting too. Like I can tell you right now – when I put, the me- or I put the fixed blade back on after having shot the mechanical night and day difference in my confidence, it's just like there's something in my head that's just like, this works.
1: Well, the way you hunt, too, you are going to face even crazier situations because <laughs> you don't do trees and stuff. You like to stalk. You like to be on mm-hmm. the ground. You like to be right in their face. You're going to get these crazy shots, and you should be able to take them. Yeah. You know, you, people think we're being irresponsible. It's, that's not true. You have a three hundred win mag. No, we're <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, yeah. we because you can hunt with a two forty three, it's fine.
2: Right, right. There's, you just have to realistically know what you're capable of and what your equipment can do, and then you know you're gonna you're gonna be much better off. That's the issue with these. Is we hunted with them collectively for probably two decades, and we all believed we knew what we were capable of doing and what we weren't, and we were wrong. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I we, mean it's not. A p- we hit and lost some of them that we thought like you should be killing these deer, and, and you should be, and you should. Yeah. And we've and we've learned that since then is like these are these are killing shots. The placement is good enough, but right. the failure is is in that. No, yeah. and that's yeah.
1: that sucks for people who don't get to hunt a lot. Oh, that does. Yeah, dude. I'm, that's I mean, the worst thing We're talking thing about hundreds
2: of videos right. of kill of of archery shots on deer that we've had the privilege of looking at. And a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have the benefit of looking back at video in hindsight and learning from this stuff. All they have is the split-second clouded memory, at least for me, because I'm going completely ham when when they come in, is the three seconds that that happened. And if they don't even have a lie to knock, they may not have any idea where they even hit the deer. And all they may have is this and Mm -hmm. think, like, what the heck even happened? How do you even learn from that? You know, so it's well.
1: What's funny is as many animals as you've shot and videoed, and all of y'all, your pig last night. Still, we had to slow it down and go. What happened? Yeah. The exit wound was nowhere. Mm, I could not. Yeah. Ex- when we got to yep. the pig, we hadn't seen the video. I could not explain the exit wound. I was like, man, he wasn't that quartering away. Well, he had his leg back. Yeah. And the arrow came out, came out of, his of neck. Leg. Yeah. If he'd had his leg up here, you'd have hit the humerus. That would yeah. go walk. And the same result. He'd have gone 60 you yards. Right.
0: Yeah, and you got to think, it, it is crazy for me to because of – you know, how long we've been filming every single bow shot we've ever taken mm-hmm. at an animal and our friends, every memory that I have, I, I can watch it again. Right. And to think to not have that is just insane, really. It's crazy to think that you can't go back and watch it. And it is a luxury that we have with filming. It really is. In
1: my it really helps your data set yeah. mentally for all of everybody. Like you yeah. said, you had these hundred people, <laughs> and the reports mm-hmm. keep coming in saying, yeah. Yeah, we just and, keep having weird stuff happen. And yep.
2: the, all that said, we're killing deer. Oh yeah. All the time, like with these things. Mm-hmm. And like it, it kind of goes back to that target example you used a while ago. If you have a perfect broadside shot and you hit them perfect, majority of the time this thing opens up and gets in there and kills them really quick.
1: Oh yeah. There's no and doubt. And
2: that's why a lot of people like using them. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them for that. I mean, Greg killed, you know, dozens and dozens of deer with these things over the mm-hmm. years. But then that happened on one of the biggest bucks. Yeah, right. There's always the big ones. That's Anybody can shoot that's where the problem is usually at with the big ones here's a here's a a
0: topic with this that i feel like is an argument too is blood trail it's like well blood trail is better why do people why is that perceived that way because because here's here's why i say why is that perceived that way because i don't think these things i don't think at least in my opinion they don't kill as many animals as a fixed blade so why is it perceived that like this is like oh this is so much better? It has so much more of a blood trail. Like I I guess it that's an interesting thing to me. That's because, because people it's don't like,
1: write it down. So I've challenged people. I've challenged people on a few podcasts and stuff, and I've said, write down your next ten kills and measure the blood trails, and and write down what actually occurred. Like journal I can't it. find any consistency ever.
2: Yeah. Mm. Like Never. Write down where the, the entry and the exit are, what it on your phone. and all that. Entry,
1: exit, what was the blood trail like? You can just call it sparse, heavy, medium, kind of drippy. Mm-hmm. Whatever description you have, you're going to have some gut. Last night was, we did, I mean, we'd stopped tracking, but the blood was phenomenal. Yeah, because was that skin was so thin up here, it was just blowing out. Mm-hmm. But like I said, if that, deer, if that pig's leg would have been forward, it would have hit the bone. There would have been no blood. And plugged We'd it. We'd have had the same result. Yep. It would have gone 60 yards because the shot placement was good. Mm-hmm. And if you would write down your blood trails as opposed to live in the moment of two that were awesome because I've seen some crazy stuff with these things out here on pigs. Some unbelievable chunks of lung on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Awful. Beautiful, awful. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. Painted from impact. Yep. And then I saw some... What? Right? Yeah. Losses or normal Mm-hmm. Drippity droppity drip. Here's one. There's one. There's a footprint. Find a pig. So I haven't been able to find any consistency with any broadhead.
0: Period. Right? for blood, Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, I, I'll use it a couple examples. Two different bucks that um I shot within, you know, 2018 19. 2018, slick trick, Iowa, shot the buck and there was no blood for the first 100 yards. Yeah, of course. Then I shot buck in new york the next year and i mean you can literally see the blood pouring like yeah. gruesome stuff you can right. hear it from like yeah 60 yards yeah, you can you hit an he- artery yeah mm-hmm. so it's like one example there's no blood for 100 yards and then the last 50 there's plenty enough to follow the next one there's blood from impact all the way to where it's all over him when you get to him Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just, there's the same broad, it's the same broadhead. It's the same shot, essentially. I mean, slightly different, obviously, but it's, so it's like, yeah, there's not a whole ton of consistency, even within, you know, if you were to use the same broadhead over and over and over again, I don't see where it, it's necessarily like better with one broadhead. It's a lot of it has to do with where you're hitting it. I
1: had to give up on them because pigs don't like to bleed anyway. Yeah. And I had to just start pounding them. (laughs) and there are when I when I replay the video I usually sit in the stand and pull it back and see what I got and I go okay that's 60 like I shot one the other day I just walked back in and got the boys I showed Thomas he goes dead (laughs) 53 (laughs) yards and what was interesting about that is I was shooting the three blade the ranch three blade and at impact it was I was like oh just take your shoes off Mm -hmm. it got worse so, at impact, it hit him, buried to the fledge, hit the ground. He took the shaft and it broke when he hit the brush. But at impact, it was like drops that big. I just looked and went, oh, the boys will like to go track this, you know, pierces, buddy doesn't have a lot of experience, so I just take him out, right? And it, it was terrible. So, it went 15 yards of awesome, and, and then it got nothing. to normal. Pig, yeah. What we call a pig trail. <laughs> Thun drops. Yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. He went 53 they're... yards. It wasn't – We two minutes. We found him. Right. But um, – Right at impact, it was phenomenal. I was like, "Oh, this can be awesome," and it just didn't. Yeah. And it just keeps happening. Things just keep happening like that. It's it's so variable, it's I guess. At it's the end really of the day, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's
0: it's so variable. And I, I mean, you, you you say some some pretty hilarious lines, where like, "Dead deer don't run," Dead stuff don't like run. that. It's like it's like it's so true. And I mean. And you like you said, you're not even trying to be a smartass, but it's like the, the he, it went that way. Went We're that gonna way. find it if right. you if you put a kill shot on it. Right. It went that way. And, and what I think, dead
1: deer don't run means is when you get a vital V shot and a complete pass through, and the deer doesn't know he's dead because the arrow's not in him. They tend to just kind of bound a little bit and then doop. Yeah, yeah. that's right. actually
3: that's one thing I was going to touch on since, well, when that. Story I shared that was the last time I shot an expandable at deer, and since then been shooting broadheads like this. And I will say, recovery distances are shorter, and I'm watching most of them fall, and almost all of them just re- react like they don't know they've been hit.
0: The sound is so different. I think that's one mm-hmm. thing. I actually went and watched. Um, I was going through a bunch of different videos, and I'm um, making a different video, not on subject of broadheads, but I watched that BMAC shot from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sound and the deer's terror as yeah. it runs away. It's just like pop, and that deer's immediately full-bore running. Like, not running because of anything other than, like, pure fear, where, on the other hand, you take the buck that I shot in North Dakota – I shot that thing, the thing's already looking at us, and it's so dead by the time it makes it 40 yards away that it's just, I mean, it's not, it's dead, It's it can't do anything.
1: Yeah, you were jumping around before the deer went out. Yeah,
0: he's he's standing I mean, the there, like, the yeah, he's not looking back, or he's not afraid, he's not, he's, he's, that's it.
1: I think the first deer that y'all shot with a, somebody shot with a heavier arrow and with a single bevel was Jake in that, where they sat on that deer in that field of whatever. North Dakota canola. Yeah. yeah. For six hours or whatever. Yeah, and, then and he that shot deer's in like five yards. That deer's jumping because he wants to see. Yeah, and he goes like this, and then, and then yeah. nothing. Hello. <laughs> 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 <Kaboom! laughs> all of yeah. them that Deer over the decoy. Yeah, that is a got some cool footage because you see him run and then he's gone. Yeah. Like he wasn't didn't run down the hill. He, he was he went down yeah, right there. Right. Yeah. yeah. He looks like he's running. No, he collapsed. Right. Yeah, and it just seems like y'all aren't getting the headlamps. You're expecting the biggest.
2: The biggest thing I've seen so far that that's been the difference is when we make a sh- a good shot and we place them there where the deer should die, we're recovering them. Yeah, I don't think we've we've had one, and this is a short sample size. Granted, only what three years now, mm-hmm. something like that, where we're all shooting cut on contact. I don't think we've had any of them like that where we where we made a good shot and did not find the deer. We have had those experiences with these yeah. Yeah. where we made a a good shot or placed the arrow where we wanted to and did not find the deer. We have had, like I hit and lost one last year with a cut on contact, but it was because of poor placement. Yes, which, which is know, still going to happen. That's with, gonna it doesn't, doesn't matter how perfect of a I'm not set happy up. about it, and obviously, yeah. you know, I'm going to talk about that in a different video. There was a number of things that happened that went into the poor placement, yeah. but that's doesn't matter what you're shooting. If you don't hit them in the right spot, that's correct. Well, then I think you're the, in bad you're in bad shape.
3: One of the reasons right. we're having this discussion is just sharing our experiences, so people, you know, hopefully don't have yes. that that same experience. One that we
0: haven't talked about is Jake, um, twenty eighteen, and and it's not even that we didn't get these deer in a lot of situations. We still get them, but it's like the suffering. Do you want to make that deer to lay in its own blood?
2: like yeah, dying you because that. you that's because a,
0: you put a good shot on that's it like, that's not that a doesn't, successful hunt that doesn't i mean make you can, any sense even though you find you're the deer that's good it. yeah but you know it's that. not
2: a successful hunt unless you shoot them and they're dead within you know a short period of time like you at that point you have to do what you have to do mm-hmm. as a hunter to recover them mm-hmm. but like you can go back to that hunt that you're watching there and you can just see jake's emotions oh that's like what he's it was not me. happy we were, it wasn't he fun. kills that deer and he right. there's there's nothing fun about there's it there's nothing fun yeah. about it like and you the, shoot one you watch him fall over you're high-fiving and you're calling the boys and they're coming out to help mm-hmm. you drag him out and it's all and smiles it's, it's like
0: it's like because everything here, worked but then it's like how do you you're up here when that happens and then you still get a deer but you're down here yeah and that takes the fun away from it so it's like yeah and, and it's just and it's just respectful it's responsible it's you know it's a lot of different things I think about
1: the time too because like I was joking around with him last night when we were on camera and I said we're not going to be undignified I'm going to get the scooter. Yeah. we're not dragging yeah the pig. <laughs> we're gonna do this proper and back up to the Panama and put him in the back and drive off. Uh, you know, why should we drag right right but for all the all the crowd that follows the hunting public y'all are all probably public people so you go marching off in a mile and a half mm-hmm. and that's a three hour tracking job.
0: Oh, you go and home you for got, two hours, correct. and you wait. And you got
1: two more miles because he went the wrong way. They never run down. They never run uphill. They always run downhill, mm-hmm. and they always run away from the truck. That's a general <laughs> deal. It's at least a fifty percent chance because there's a circle. Got that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you, th- there's so much work you put into this. You had to get up super early, two hours before to get in. There's a bunch of clowns running out out there too. Yeah. And you're one of the clowns, the other guys are calling you a clown, It's all oh, fine, yeah. oh yeah. Right? And then you finally shoot a deer and then it takes 4 hours. It yeah. just it seems like a ton of work. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's not fun. No. I will say I remember one time hunting this is one of the things I was hunting with uh this is the difference between the private land and yeah. public land I was hunting with um Winky and he shot lefty. We shot, shoots it. It runs, dies in the edge of the field. We went back to the truck, drove the truck to it, got it. And I was back to his house, and it literally no different time than I would be any other day. And I'm like, yep. well, that's a lot different than what yeah. we even <laughs> do. And that <laughs> wasn't <laughs> even a matter of shot. I mean, take the shot thing aside. It's like even if we watch it on public land, get down. It's like just that difference. And yeah, there's a ton of time you
1: put it in to get it back to the truck. Right. Oh, so it's yeah. like you, then
0: you add on the risk yeah. of like wondering, did I get him? And yeah, that's what it makes a lot. Mostly,
1: of and I've said this earlier is it's the shot angles that you're going to be given because you don't have bait you don't have them they're going to be ambling by doing whatever they do quick decision making and then I'm sorry all the message board guys can bash on everybody but people, sh- people are shooting yeah yeah I'm sorry it's cold you've been out there five days you've been busting your ass going back and forth you're on this deer it's a two mile walk you go up the tree with your phantom he finally comes out Most people are shooting, right? Especially
2: if it's a deer that is bigger than anything they've ever seen before and they're they're losing their mind. Like, I'm not justifying it because I have done it and I have immediately wanted that arrow back. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I have, like, oh crap, I should not have done that. What I'm saying is that you cannot prepare for that without having gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of experience mm-hmm. I mean, and we get gobs and gobs of experience but we are not the average experience people that get to average folks like you said get to hunt 10 times
1: yeah right or you know, i think they that's get, a i think that's they, a they maybe
2: get one opportunity a year at a nice buck
1: or any any oh, deer <laughs> yes it ain't deer. People, with a bow
2: and arrow, I mean, it might literally be that.
0: Might there's might any with, deer. It's, it, with experience that still mess up. All oh,
1: the absolutely.
2: Time,
0: you know, it's like yeah. I'll, I'll, our, our new buddy Bruce, turkey hunting. He's a turkey hunting guy. and we he, He's like, dude, I miss turkeys like crazy. And he's shot, you know, tons of turkeys all over the place. And he's just like, yeah, I just, I mean, I can't see. Lo- I can't see. I can't see. You yes, know, he's you like, you like
2: I'm blacking out. You know? <laughs> it's like, unpredictable. You're always going to have people that are critical. Of you when you're showing your mistakes, um, but they're dynamic hunting situations <laughs> that are unpredictable and ever changing. You can, it's just you're going to fail. Yeah, it's going. To I'm happen. gonna take you another can try shot. To minimize that I probably it. shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. You I'm not try saying to minimize I'd. it. I mean, I've, I have made some bad ones over the years, and it's I have kicked my again. ass for months and months about it. And, it's, and it's learned true. some valuable lessons from those that have kept me from making similar mistakes. But there are so many different thousands of situations that can literally transpire. Of course. Change. In, in cannot, seconds. Yes. Yeah. You cannot.
1: Ed always says, I wish we could get the ones we screwed up on back. Yeah. Because we'd, we'd learn more than the boom, 40 yards, and he's down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't really learn anything.
2: Yeah. It doesn't it's matter right.
1: what broadhead you're shooting, whatever. If it goes 40 and goes down, but if you could get the ones that you screwed up back yeah. and get to look at the broadhead or look at the wound or take them apart, we won't. But you would learn. You would, you would just take huge leaps forward. You would exponentially grow in your experience shooting much yeah. fewer deer, but mm-hmm. right. screw up three of them and find them all.
2: <laughs> I, think,
0: I think you learn more from failure than you do from success kind There's of no period because yeah. and and it's how you come back from that you know what do you what do you change the next time i think that makes you well the greg's a good
2: example because he had that happen yeah. and yeah. like he it he was, come back he yeah. was very angry after the fact in greg's own way like he's <laughs> not gonna he's not gonna literally show hear mindy laughing back there. <laughs> yeah he's not gonna literally show <laughs> anger like we will but he was like he was like meticulously sharpening these things. In <laughs> fact, this broadhead, in particular, that I have in my hand, he got you got your old jig out and were sharpening it and was cutting rubber bands with it. And he went back out and he killed a great buck. Just self filming. Um, a couple weeks later, that deer didn't even know he was hit. No, didn't know he was. That deer hit.
1: didn't. That deer was running like he was just like shot him spooked slightly
2: through. quartering away with that thing, blew clear through him. Deer ran fifty yards. And, I think, and Tchoo! I think it goes yeah. Toast. So yeah. that's like, you know, to your point, Zach, that's like he had something happen that was unfortunate and he was bound and determined to do something different. And that, and and that, and that goes beyond right. anger. Like, yeah. well, I
3: guess the way I was feeling is that, you know, I, again, going back to growing up, learning about bow hunting and, and taking ethical shots and just being an ethical hunter, that is important to me. And then to put what was a pretty good shot on a deer and for it to not die quickly, right? You know, we didn't even find it for that deer to... You know, to hit and lose one like that because of broadhead performance—that was, you know, that was very disappointing and uh, frustrating, like a failure on my part to not be shooting equipment that would not fail mm-hmm. when you, yeah, a, when you your, hit when you hit them well.
2: You know, you had had all those good experiences before right. that, so you hadn't had so, you yeah. hadn't had so much of that, you know, stuff. And that's what Zach's saying is: it takes you, it takes somebody failing sometimes in order to understand fully what how to move forward or how to improve yep. yeah. now you because can because like <laughs> you know, that's what we've been talking about the last 15 minutes if you watch them die 40 yards away over and over and over again you're never going to learn it keep doing that you're going to keep <laughs> doing that <laughs> you're yeah gonna keep i'm being okay successful. with that
1: successful yeah i think right.
3: a part of the frustration for me was that like everybody else was changing their setups because of these problems and i, yeah. I didn't get around to doing it yeah. it's like well, i'll just we'll just compare and yeah, yeah. you know i
1: it sucks better, that you it? couldn't have killed three and just been the gawker. Yeah. Of course, you wouldn't have been that guy, right? <laughs> but, you would have, but it's also like yeah. – You're a pretty it,
0: somber dude. so yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, too, I guess my, my point is, is like if you're having failure, like, like having the right mentality to say, I got to do something different, whether that's in your strategy, your setup, your weapon of choice, whatever it is, like you have to have that mentality of like, okay, there's a problem. How do I fix it? Not just blowing it off because you could have just kept shooting that – stuff you could have just well, i mean went and turned around and just kept doing it but yeah i mean when you shoot them deal. for years
3: though and, and, and again you know looking back at my old videos like just not passing through deer like you should on a on a chest cavity hit and then you get broadheads that are coming back mangled like that and then you kind of keep going mm-hmm. back to the th- same thing it's
2: well we've we've increased our understanding about it tremendously in the last mm-hmm. three or four years because we, like we said at the beginning of this, when we used to recover these animals and the arrows and the broadheads would be mangled, we'd be like, ah, who cares? I'll buy another one.
1: That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We
2: did not even think about what in the world that thing is going through. And the only reason yeah. I started thinking about, think it think about it is
1: because I kept having these weird pig yeah. situations. When,
2: when? How long ago was that? That you 16.
0: had? So not not terribly long ago. Six, seven years.
1: Yeah. And then... It, I it think that's sl- kind of cool. To, it was a, a slow cool evolution, fight. and I've fought it for years. Like I said, they're so slow in the air. Yeah. They're so – they Here, look here's inefficient.
0: F- Ooh, here's another, here's another thing I wanted to say. Buddy, when I put those things on my arrows, oh, my God, the flight. Oh yeah, the quietness. There's no doubt. You're just launching bombs. You're talking now. I can shoot six yep. I can slap my broadheads on, and I can still shoot the target at sixty yards perfectly. Yep. Yep. absolutely. Course. With those things,
1: it's they seem to be less easier to they tune. They seem to be a little easier to tune. Mm. But that that
0: doesn't necessarily mean to me that it's it does, that doesn't make it ethical. That doesn't make it that it's like right to be making a deer suffer for hours. Archery. I said
1: this in the first video we ever did with y'all archery is shooting an arrow to the target, and bow hunting begins at impact. Yeah. Hmm. And nobody's thinking about that. 90 percent of the bow hunting world is talking listen, the best people in our industry who have the biggest audiences and the make, make the, all the big money and stuff like that, they're usually pretty they're shooters. <laughs> they evolve out of 3D or spots, and then they become bow hunters, or they may have been both. They know a ton about the bow and how to make it fly, and they're really good shots. And they have that mindset. They're like accountants. They can continuously do the same thing. Like, I shot the triggers out of my 101 Winchester over and under as a kid. <laughs> That's how much I was shooting it. I never shot a 25 in skeet. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I'm not that repeatable. Don't get in a dove field with me and put hundred dollars on the desk. Because <laughs> you're gonna, I'll put fourteen shells in my bag and we're guys gonna be fine. I'm good when it's random, uh-huh. but I I couldn't repeatedly do stuff. Yeah. That's a super skill to be able to sit there and pound the spot at twenty over. Most people can't do that, mm-hmm. right? And we had that happen here, so we know a ton in the industry about flying it to the target, and we don't discuss this. This is where Ed Ashby gets all the heat. All he studied was trying to get the stupid thing to go through the animal. Yeah. He said it's got to be tuned, it can't break, it's got to be sharp, everything's got to fly. But he studied impact, and everybody hates on him. Mm-hmm. Everybody says Ed doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's like, and he, thank God he's such a good dude. Because he, of all people, Ed, I love you, of all the people, <laughs> Ed Ashby should be able to say, hey, screw off, I killed two rhinos with a longbow. Multiple Cape Buffalo. I was a dangerous game guide. Who the hell are you? You shot three deer. He would never do that. Yeah. He's the nicest. He is honestly the nicest guy. You could yell at him probably, and he'd go, okay, great, you know. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Right? But he, he continuously studied impact, and just he didn't even have carbon when he started. Yeah. Uh, the low-weight arrow, high four to center thing is an aerodynamic tur- thing that was known. It's not like he discovered it, but he didn't have carbon. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, wow. Now with the whole system, and like you said, he was willing to say, oh, I'll try that. Mm-hmm. And the biggest, I think it's the biggest buffalo he ever shot, he actually reduced the mass because four to center started showing up as being the magic bullet. And he got, a car, he got a target shaft, the lightest shaft he could get, shooting 655 mm-hmm. grains, not 900, okay? And shot completely through the biggest Asiatic Buffalo. It was hanging on by the Fletchings, but it was wow. 31% forward to center. It's like a super light target shaft. And he said,
2: mm-hmm. it just
1: kept happening. So that's the difference. We know a ton about flying to targets, but to your point, yeah, it, hey, it flies on point, it's bound to penetrate. Yeah.
2: Eh, maybe nah, not. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe yep. something else is going on. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's uh, we've beat that horse pretty hard here in the <laughs> last hour and a half. Send your I hate think. mail to Troy <laughs> at
1: <ranchfairy.com. laughs> Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. And we're going to talk about arrows in flight next. We're going to we're gonna get the Rocket Man out and get his wife. out. we going to get him out. Get him out of the drawer. Big Jake will
1: pull him out of his drawer and... <laughs> yeah. Thanks for watching guys. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, thank have a good you. day.